move going deep speed race. He's got Hill. He's got Hill. From the Baptist Health Studios, inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. He's got it. Miami is in the playoffs. Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we have a very special guest for you guys, breaking down all things Dolphins offseason. An intersection here in Indianapolis from Scouting Combine, from the draft and free agency, and all things Miami Dolphins team building. Kyle Krabs, who else do you want on the show besides KC chopping it up here on DT? From Radio Row at the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. My guest today, the great Kyle Krabs. On the floor here at the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis. I always want to call it the Indianapolis Convention Center at Indiana because it is a metropolis inside Indiana, which is how you get Indianapolis. Joined by my friend Kyle Krabs here on the podcast. And it's always a weird intro with Kyle because you've done the show about 25 times now. So I don't really do it classically, but welcome in from Locked On Dolphins at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. Kyle Krabs, what's up, man? And am I your most frequent guest on the program? I think last year you, you took that title. What a lofty expectation to have to carry, and I'm going to do my absolute best to give you a first-round performance here at the NFL Combine. That's, that's why you are a potential option at pick 21 in the Dolphins. Uh, Mike, Mike would be very disappointed if his first, <laughs> first round selection was me. I'll just oh, say. I, I watched you run in 40s a couple of years ago in those uh, cleats. <laughs> were you doing the Darren Rovell <laughs> trot? I ran a lot better than Darren. I'll just say that. <laughs> anyway, buddy, how you doing, man? How was the trip in? I'm good. Uh, travel was smooth. You never know. Uh, the weather, yeah. unseasonably warm. At least it was earlier, so I wish it was warmer, and then it was 30 degrees out, and I wish it was colder. So We cursed the entire walk over we here did. today. We did. That was not fun. Uh, I, I did complain about the weather from the playoff game in Kansas City. wasn't even close, right, JT? A lot colder in KC than it was here I'm today. I'm sure it was. So we have Kyle on today to talk about some general Dolphins offseason content, just kind of a, uh, a, a Dolphins lens look at free agency in the draft and how this team construction could wind up going this year for your Miami Dolphins. And Kyle does a, a great job every year of exploring all the options from, you know, we've, we've covered draft with Jeremiah, we've covered contracts with Brad Spielberg, we've talked about sleepers with Emery Hunt. Kyle is kind of our overarching bird's eye view of the Dolphins this offseason. He puts together a great template here of how he kind of stacks free agents available, draft picks, Dolphins own players, and it's really fun content that he does over on Locked On Dolphins. We'll get to that in a moment, but first I just want to start off by talking about this combine, uh, what you what you make of this year's combine, kind of I guess the the overarching themes coming out of this draft and just I guess touch on, on this year's combine if you can. Yeah, this year's combine it's 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 a really good group for a number of areas of need that we at least perceive to be areas of need for Miami. Obviously, there's a lot of business that needs to be handled starting here in just a couple weeks with free agency and the start of league calendar year. And we've already started to see the moving and the shaking that is involved in that player cuts. But uh, this year's combine in particular, offensive line, wide receiver, I think are really exciting groups and and knowing that Miami has expiring contracts significant volume of expiring contracts not necessarily the top of the guys right like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are still locked in here but uh, you're going to have an opportunity to reset the portions of those rooms that you need to and potentially get a rookie contract that's a really impactful player because of the amount of depth of guys that I think are good fits for the Dolphins. Do you get the sense that um 
Chris Greer and the Dolphins tend to favor particular positions because you mentioned receiver and offensive line which have become really if you talk about tackles have become two of like the five premier positions in the National Football League as far as contracts go and if you go back to the beginning of the 2020 draft we got a quarterback and who's a, a right tackle a corner um, and then 2021 a receiver an edge and then a, a Javon Holland's a safety in the second yeah. round but the first the the, fir- the five the six first-round picks were all premium spots. Do you think that's by accident, or is that kind of a team philosophy? So, e- even when you go back to when Chris had the general manager title but was not the unquestioned leader in football operations, offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil, defensive end Charles Harris, safety Minka Fitzpatrick's kind of an outlier a from a positional value perspective, but you can move him around. Defensive tackle has become a, posi- a premium position, and that was Christian Wilkins in 2019. Quarterback, offensive tackle, corner. Those are notorious premium positions wide receiver has become a premium position pass rusher again with Jalen Phillips so yes I I think and and the debate is and you've heard this a little bit about Brock Bowers from Georgia where the first round contracts or all rookie contracts they're tethered to your draft position for the wage scale as compared to being factored for your position you don't get a position adjusted year on a rookie contract for a first round pick until the fifth year option which is the fully guaranteed option year so to draft premium positions where teams tell you they care about it with how much money they spend at that position on an annual basis and get it tethered to not the position but rather where you're at in the draft order is where one of those margins that you can really try to attack and find inroads in Winning in the margins, which is where when you think about this Dolphins team and where they're at, that's the challenge they need to tackle because it's so razor thin. You have to find what margins are we going to win in to allow us to have a competitive advantage. It's an interesting dichotomy because I think like you go back, you went back to Tunzel. If you take the Dolphins first round draft picks and if you consider like success in terms of who gets second contracts and some of these weren't with the Dolphins themselves, but it's seven out of nine draft picks in the first round. Charles Harris and Noah Igbenogany are the only guys and Charles Harris, I mean, he had a pretty nice resurgence there with the Lions for a little bit. So those first round draft picks at premium spots have afforded Miami, I think, would you agree that that was why they were able to go out and aggressively pursue with their first round pick a Tyreek Hill a Bradley Chubb which by the way are two more premium positions with star players at those spots do you feel like those hits in the draft allowed them to kind of take a step back out of the draft and get veteran players last couple years yeah because you're overlapped from the 2020 guys and the 2021 guys and everybody's developmental curve is a little bit different but like you said there's their second contracts for a number of these players and, and other players that maybe won't get second contracts from Miami but are deserving of second yeah. contracts. It's, it's just the numbers game that you play because you have assembled a roster that has that kind of talent and you have to make some of those strategic decisions. I think it certainly changes the perspective when you make five first-round draft picks in two years and then you have the volume that you had with 2020 and you had early picks again in 2021. You had two seconds and a three. So when you have that level of influx and you know you have a four-year window in which you know the cost control of that talent, yes, it totally changes what your perspective is for what my 2022 premium investments are. Oh, one of the best players in the NFL (laughs) is available for trade and falls into our lap and is receptive to play for us. Let's make that happen. Oh, Jalen Ramsey is uh, looking at being a cap casualty for the Rams, and the cost is a day two pick and a tight end that hadn't made his own developmental leap yet, yeah, it's a no-brainer. So uh, I absolutely think 
the cycle, the team building life cycle that Miami adopted when they started this in 19 and pooled draft assets and pooled rookie contracts then has led into the influx in big spending on established NFL players, and that will continue to cycle. And then you will see more of a focus towards draft capital, which yeah. I'm wondering if that starts to happen this year. I want to touch on that in just one second, but first a quick follow-up to that because the idea of these you know, four- and five-year plans with players and really position groups and the entire roster, it creates that flexibility, right, in terms of, like, contracts and how you can sparse things out because, like, you know, we keep seeing the capopolypse that's coming and all the stuff that people talk about with how this year's uh, team might not be able to re-fortify their positions they need to attack, but you and I both know that's not necessarily the case. And I, I look at it like there's a reason why, you know, there were certain contracts you could get out of this year when it came time to pay, uh, you know, a Tua Tonga-Vailoa, a, you know, who am, I, who am I missing here? A Robert Hunt, a Christian Wilkins. Like, that's not, it doesn't happen like that by accident, right? There's a thought no, process. No, yeah, there. there, there's, uh, the, the way some of these contracts, specifically with Miami, have, have been structured, you kind of see, okay, this is where the guaranteed money lies. It's, it's all about the guaranteed money, right? So where did they put the guarantees in the contract? And once the guarantees go away, that's when your chance to reassess where the player's yeah. at in his individual career, where the team is at with their other resources and assets, where they may need to create space to pay a younger player as compared to an older player and have an exit strategy out of a contractor. We can restructure this guy for another year and then know what our strategy is, which they did with Xavier Howard, or it sounds like they're doing with Xavier Howard, with, with him being a player that they're moving on from after eight years in Miami. And if that's designated as a post-June 1st cut, uh, then that's significant year one savings and then more cap savings versus what they were scheduled for in 2025. So you kind of, if you know the rules of the game, you can look ahead and understand this is what strategic decisions they're going to have to make. And then the challenge is finding players to step into those roles either internally or externally and the benefit of those draft hits of that flexibility of moving things around to give yourself the maximum you know chance at building a winner and a contender for sustained success over the course of several years is that now because you hit on those premium positions that you have needs you know quote-unquote needs at less premium spots i want to go ahead and dive into that next here with my guest today kyle Krabs from the locked on dolphins podcast he's at grinding the tape on twitter you can find him all over social media talking about the dolphins the draft nfl everything else as well and locked on nfl scouting as well don't forget that one we're gonna come back on the other side and preview his uh what do we call this thing kyle what, what, what's this it's a, it's a free agent board free agent board top 200 free agents so we, we, we usually talk about draft with kyle we're gonna pivot that to the veteran class here because kyle has done more work on free agents so far this year so far than draft class we'll do that next year kyle Krabs on the drive time podcast your host travis wingfield brought to you by auto nation all right, Kyle, I teed you up there on the other side of the show talking about this free agent board here. And I do want to get some draft takes for you at some point here, but we talk about draft all year long with you. Mm -hmm. Come on the podcast here around Senior Bowl, talk about that. We'll do it again. But let's go ahead and focus on the veteran free agent crop here because, like we talked about, Miami, you know, has already opened up a bunch of money in terms of what you were looking at coming into even Combine Week with the moves of Emmanuel Ogba and Xavier Howard reported to be a post-June 1 designated cut. Uh, coming down the line here but the dolphins will create more and more flexibility in the coming weeks heading into the new league year and looking at your board here and i'm wondering because you know this is something that you and i have discussed about you know fan perception uh team building approach and this idea of you know draft picks not hitting but you want to go you know put premium money into a certain player a certain position 
is is the top of the market Tell me about the top of the market in free agency because, you know, you talked about the Dolphins acquiring Tyreek Hill, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Ramsey. Those were not guys that hit free agency. Those were trades. Mm-hmm. But, like, it seems like more often than not when you spend money up at this position, you wind up not getting the return on your investment, a la, you know, like we talked about, Dolphins of old, restructuring all these 30-plus players to give them more money down the line to free up enough space for one splash move like an Indomitian Sioux, and then all of a sudden, like, you're a 7-9 and nine football team, right? Is, is the top of the market in free agency, like, what's your approach on that, I guess, what I'm trying to ask you here? Very rarely do good invest like, like low-risk investments with that kind of money come out on the open market in, in recent history, and I think what makes it really challenging is when you hit the open market, I I refer to it as the 20% bump, right? Whatever a player is worth, if now you have eight teams with $60 million in cap space that are all interested in signing that player, what happens to that player's value? It goes up. And you don't want to get too involved in the rat race of bidding at the top of the free agent market. Now, if Chris Jones hits the market, even at this stage in Chris Jones' career... (laughs) You're going to have a hard time with him not reaching the value of, of what he is because he's such a, a dominant interior defensive lineman. But you've already started to see teams say, uh, we got an upper, we got a top 20 free agent in this year's class. We better not let him go. We're going to use a franchise tag. It's happening with Jerry Sneed in Kansas City already. It's happening with T. Higgins in Cincinnati. It sounds like it's going to happen with Justin Matabuik in, in Baltimore unless they get a long-term contract done before the deadline. And... As I look at the board of who the other top free agents are that are available, like your tier one and tier two, your your, your elite players and your, your high, high quality starters, I don't think it's a coincidence that a 30-year-old running back, Derrick Henry, is on this list. I don't think it's a coincidence that a 30-plus-year-old linebacker in Levante David, as good as he still is and as good as Derrick Henry is, is still on this list. I don't think it's a coincidence that Tyron Smith is far and away the best offensive tackle. That's an expiring contract. And then you get a nickel corner in Kenny Moore. And Kenny Moore is a baller. I love Kenny Moore. But the nickel position is one that the league has not traditionally paid for. And then it's a couple of young safeties or the other guys that I think are like the best players that are going to be set to hit the market. So you have players on the wrong side of 30. You have running backs and linebackers as non-premium positions. So it's not an accident that it happens that way. And I think you're going to continue to see from when we sit down and record this through the franchise tag deadline, Josh Allen with the Jaguars. I think if they don't get a contract extension done, Trent Baalke's kind of already alluded to he's as a pass rusher in his 20s is going to get the franchise tag. It's like it's not like Reggie White, right? Like back when he hit free agency right. back in the 90s, that kind of to kind of sparked free agency to become what it is. Like like you mentioned, Chris Jones is here, but he's I mean he's such a unicorn on the list in terms of these top tier guys. Like, I, I love that you mentioned that because like Legereus Sneed, maybe he's the one outlier of that group in terms of a young player who's at a premium spot, who's had a, a great start to his career, who if, if he gets paid, like you said, that 20% bump, like I think about like Namdi Asamoah, you never know what's going to happen. He was like considered the number one lockdown corner in the NFL. He goes to Philadelphia and he wasn't that for a long time. And all of a sudden you're paying, you know, the highest money to a player who isn't performing at a top 10 levels position. All of a sudden, if you do that enough times, that's how you find yourself in a really bad position with your cap and your record's not very good anymore. It's just a, a really challenging you know, puzzle to put together here. And Kyle has done a great job of kind of stacking this board for us here. So my question to you, Kyle, is 
taking a look at that board in that it's, you call it your tier two, right? With these these guys you mentioned with Derrick Henry, Tyron Smith, because your tier one, I, I'm seeing Chris Jones as far as the free agents, and then Tyreek and Jalen. Yeah. So I did the I did the entire Dolphins roster and assessed them, and I put them on there so you could see, okay, you're starting. Uh, defensive tackles and Christian Wilkins is an expiring contract where does he rank what other investment opportunities could be there that is comparable value there's not a lot uh, this with the defensive tackle class being what it is so it's a nice visual aid to see where Miami's players under contract rank versus their own expiring contracts versus everybody else's expiring contracts yeah it's a, it, and <laughs> you look at the board i'm seeing a lot of dolphins names in tier one in tier two and in tier three where all these other really good players exist and you've got a good balance here of like we talked about premium positions aging players younger players it's a good mix for the dolphins here and i love where you have Walla. by the way he's up at the very top of this uh this you know chart in general so uh, good on you for giving him his due that he's he's well deserved and uh, i guess maybe not appreciated enough across what i've seen the last few weeks on social media but who, who's the one name here man if, if you had to as far as value uh the value of what that player might cost the value of how much they might play in terms of playing time for the dolphins the value of how they impact the needle for more victories who's a guy on here that you think makes the dolphins that moves the needle for the dolphins the most of anybody else i i look to kind of the second Hierarchy. I, th- I generally generally lump tier one and tier two as cornerstone players. They're the peak of the peak. Tier three and tier four are, are where you generally find quality starters and guys who could be quality starters. And I look at tight end with the best available tight end in Noah Fant as a player who has a number of traits that Miami. Uh, and their tight ends under contract right now don't have. He's a little bit of a different kind of player. He's a former top 20 draft pick and super athletic, and he's shown lots of flashes, and, man, he can run, and he can really fly, and, and we know how Miami's offense really is predicated on the speed. But then I look at the interior offensive line group, and I get very optimistic with just how many names are in this group. I, I look at Damian Lewis, the guard from Seattle, as a, a guy who uh, is maybe not regarded as a top-tier free agent and interior offensive linemen really don't get paid anyway, but I think that's what makes this a position group where I would not be surprised to see Miami spend a little bit of money, even if it's not on their own guys that are expiring contracts. Uh, and Andre James at center is another one. So there's three names in particular that I look at for potential to play a ton of snaps, bring something valuable, and are a price-friendly option for Miami relative to their needs to shop on a budget because they're not going to be bidding with the teams that have $70 million in cash space that are just going to sign whoever they want to sign. Right. And a good, you know, I guess, a good problem to have is having to extend your own guys, right? The Dolphins Correct. are going to be coming down that that pike here very soon with the, the class this year, the class next year. I mean, that's, that's the uh, cost of drafting. Well, like we talked about, you're going to have to pay these guys at some point. So Miami's going to be very well into the business of bringing back their own. Like we talked about there, Austin Jackson already got done. Uh, if you listen to Mike McDaniel's press conference in Indianapolis, sounds like Tua Tungavailoa is on that same track as well. And uh, we'll see what happens to the rest of the guys here. But, um, yeah, man, those are some good names. Noah Fant, like, I remember back at the Cowboys game, watching that that broadcast back and Greg Olson talking about his production meeting with Mike McDaniel and saying, like, Mike, I love the offense, man, but let's get the tight end going a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And Mike was like, that's year three. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe that's like to... It's a little ode to what might happen this year with, with Noah Fant and then this draft class. Any guys in the draft that you like to potentially fill that role? At, at the tight end position, yeah. it's an interesting group. Um, I like Jatavian Sanders from Texas as 
that kind of player. A fan player. Yeah, yeah. fan type, like big, long body, can really fly. Uh, wand down the field at Texas quite a bit. So if you're thinking about working up the seam, and I think for Miami, that middle of the field is obviously where so much of the offense, passing offense through the first two years has run. And Mike McDaniel was very clear that don't assume off of 2022 and 2023 those offenses it's what it's going to look like but if they come away and they do decide we want to attack the middle of the field in the same way in the the same volume but in new ways I think that gives you an element of lift and with Tua making quick decisions as quick as he is the speed at that position with how close it is to the ball is really essential because you can get behind the second level quickly and if you have the speed players that Miami has on the outside if you're getting too high coverages those safeties just can't cheat so now you have that honey hole in the middle of the field from 15 to 20 22 yards where you can get the ball up and down very quickly with that explosiveness so a guy like Jatavian Sanders from Texas from a receiving skill set perspective I think would make a ton of sense for Miami your uh, former co-worker Jordan Reed was a big fan of his when I had him on the podcast here so a good company there two of my favorite TDN alums personally I don't know how you feel about that yeah, Jordan's awesome. And I'm so <laughs> proud of him for, yeah. for what he has been able to carve out for himself at ESPN. And I saw him the other day, too. And dude knows ball. So if he's got the endorsement going, then I feel like I'm in the right conversation. I love when I try to get him on the podcast now. And it's like, yeah, I got a booker now. Go ahead and go through her. I'm like, oh, all right, Jordan, I see you. I see you out there flexing that big time that big time badge at ESPN. But no, uh, so you, you mentioned something there that I thought was pretty interesting because, you know, McDaniel alluded to this, and he's talked about it in press conferences in the past on the podcast he's done. He had a podcast with, uh, I believe, Florio and Sims the other day where he talked a little bit about offensive evolution, but talking about how offense is not some, like, linear thing that you build upon. It's like it adjusts and evolves year by year with how to exploit weaknesses on defenses and how to, you know, really try to maximize what you have. So with that in mind, does, does that kind of, like, open the options for how the Dolphins view player acquisitions this year? Because, like, let's say they have this plan for let's, – let's say they, they like Noah Fant and they want to get him and they have a plan for him, but he winds up taking, you know, more money somewhere else. Because the offense is this kind of fluid amoeba-like particle – is that a word, uh, a phrase? Can you pivot off of – the idea of that and say, okay, we're not going to be this. Now we'll change and become this. I think what's really important with that is knowing how deep the layers go. And that's why I like this presentation specifically for free agency is I can look at the free agents and say, well, you know, there's no tier one, two or three tight ends that are available. No offense, the top tight end and the guys behind him really aren't that style of player. So it does kind of create that stress then to say, okay, maybe we need to be a little bit more of an 11 personnel team this upcoming year instead of a a 12 as compared to they've been a heavy 21 on first down. So I I do think when you consider all the expiring contracts at wide receiver and then the style of the offensive line can shift and go either way as well. So I think they can kind of let this come to them a little bit knowing what they want it to look like, but you're not boxed in. And that, for me, is one of the big things for Miami is is don't paint yourself in corners this offseason to where you have to do something out of character or drastic because you panic and yeah. you feel like you need to fill a certain box. That's but, yes, to answer your question, I think they do have that fluidity. That's that's part of, like, the whole, like, best player available versus drafting for need concept, right? Because a lot of times it's like you go into the draft and let's say you, you have, like, all these positions but you don't have a left tackle and you have to come out of the draft with your starting left tackle it's a tough place to be right because all of a sudden the player you thought that was going to be isn't there or you and know everybody else knows that too exactly everybody knows exactly. the dolphins need a left tackle in this hypothetical scenario they, yeah. they don't need a left tackle right now or at least we don't think they do but um 
um, yes, I, I think that's it's a hard way to make a living when you have egregious needs. And I think the most obvious example of this from recent history was John Robinson with the Tennessee Titans. He was notorious for drafting for need, and it's, well, we're going to get a starter on a rookie contract. And that's great, but is it that if there's a run on tackles in 2020 and you're picking 29 and you draft Isaiah Wilson because he's your top left tackle left and there's, a, there's five, six other tackles that went before it, it's just really cutting your nose off to spite your right. face. And I think that's the thing for Miami that uh, if they can alleviate the pressure to do that, I think they open themselves up to have a very successful class. And it seems like also with a, a class like this where there are, you know, we talked about it at dinner the other night, there's like like over half the players on DJ's top 50 are receivers and tackles or offensive yes. linemen. Yes. And so if you like go into it saying, I need a tackle and, you know, oh, there's eight of them. So we're, we're going to be in good shape. And then, you know, seven of them go off the board and you're stuck with number eight. Like, is that really, is that really addressing do, do you, your need? Do you walk away feeling good exactly. about it? Probably not. Rather, or get like Quinion Mitchell who's the top cornerback or something like that, right? Like you can go in that direction. So I have one more question for you, but I'm going to go ahead and put our last break in here because we have to do that. Uh, Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. My guest today is Kyle Krabs. Brought to you by AutoNation. I have one more question, and then I want to promote your work here, Kyle, before we get you out of here on the podcast today. So the Combine, we are here, and this episode is going to come out, I, th- I think, next week. Maybe Friday is the plan. We'll find out about that. So it could be a little, little bit outdated. But just in general, uh, taking a look at workouts, meetings, press conferences with coaches, could you just kind of give me your 10,000-foot view here of what this Combine, uh, what you've learned from it, what you hope to learn from it as we're early into it. Just kind of give me your Combine thoughts. Yeah, I, I think the early impressions from this year's Combine is – the talent early uh, from everybody that I've talked to uh, from the media side and otherwise the general impression is if you have a lot of picks on the end of day three a lot of people are going to try to be moving them because they're not I'm not sure that the volume's going to be there late in the draft you saw a lot of guys with NIL go back to school take the opportunity to make sure that they, they had earning potential in college and continue to develop their game you had uh it's an older class because of this influx of uh, the the last of the extra COVID eligibility players. So you have an older class, uh, more guys that went back in past years and took advantage of the extra eligibility because they didn't have super high draft stock. And then kind of the fringe underclassmen declarations, a lot of them went back. So you're, you're kind of left in this spot where if you're going to get extra draft capital, you, tr- you want to really feel like it's in rounds three, four, and five, mm-hmm. unless you have the early stuff. If we, you, have the, you have the early stuff, you're going to be a kid in a candy store because there's a lot of top talent in about the, f- the top 50 to 75 that I think is really good. So the Dolphins don't draft in that range. There's, from, from two to five, there's no picks, right? So and everyone asks every year, can we trade down? What, can, what does the trade down look like? So give me, walk me through that to close the show yep. here. If you want to trade down, what are your options? Because, again, last night at dinner, you talked about, like, what if you want to go to the 40s? I'm like, no, I want the first-round pick. And you're like, you kind of, you kind of talked me out of that because mm-hmm. I, I was talking about the fifth-year option. But there could be some real value to go back from 21 to 37, right? Like, there's, there's options there for the Dolphins right. if that comes up. Right. And what does the board have to look like? to get that trade down that, option. That's, that's the, the big, big thing. Point. And Miami will have their list of these are the players. And, and most teams, I don't want to generalize for Miami, but just having been in the draft space for about 10 years, most teams have around 18 to 20 players, sometimes a little less, that they, they definitively, with their own lens and their own criteria, they have first-round grades on. Mm-hmm. So Miami's like right on that 
cusp where if the board rate breaks really bad for them in front of them for who they like and field check all their boxes, they could come on the board and trade down may be the most attractive option. Now you got to find a dance partner with that, and that's part of the challenge. But you're, you're, right? you're high enough up that somebody's going to be like, we got one or two or three guys left that we're not going to get if we stay where we're scheduled to draft. So I think that does help them to know they're right on the fringe of 20. Uh, it will, will help their appetite to move down. If they move down um, outside of the, the top 32 picks, I would expect you get a pick back in the early second round, obviously. You'd probably get another day two pick and then probably a future pick that's uh, potentially a second or a third. If you move back far enough, maybe you could get like a low one for a competitive team that, that – somehow or another found their way in, in an area where you're comfortable moving back to. So I think it's not outside of the realm of possibility. And one of, the, one of the teams that has been really good at cycling through their life cycles is the Philadelphia Eagles under Howie Roseman. And if you go back to 2017, Howie, they were like negative $71 million in cap space with a bunch of contracts that had a bunch of void years on the back end of it. They're like, how are they going to get out of this? <laughs> and, and they knew what levers to pull. They knew where their escape hatches were. All these things that we talked about, about like a two, three-year plan and forecasting and rolling guys out and simultaneously rolling new guys in. But the other thing that they did was they traded down and they facilitated more draft capital because they traded down from six to 12 with the Dolphins. And they got extra draft capital. Miami's obviously not that high to get that kind of spike and influx. But those extra draft picks that they got for 2021 and 2022 were really centered in their ability to pivot and get themselves rebalanced where they are now. So I think that that's a good lesson for Miami to kind of use as inspiration if they feel that is the appropriate timeline for them this year. And a good comparison, Dukes, I think that Chris Greer, I would argue that trading has been his probably most valuable just like asset. Philly. Just like Philadelphia. I mean, whether it's trading back in the draft, whether it's you know going back and then up to get a, a Jalen Waddle, whether it's to bring in a Ramsey or a Tyree Kill, it's, it's been pretty fun to watch this roster come together. Kyle Krabs, as always, man, you're the best. Appreciate your time today. Go ahead and promote uh, th- when you do the, the show that includes your free agent big board because we're coming up, man. I'm talking you on February 28th. We're two weeks away, right, from the new league year. Yep. Promote the stuff for us, man. Yeah, so this, this, a lot of this will go through Locked On Dolphins. I have my whole off-season blueprint, which is my whole mock off-season, and that's going to be uh, this upcoming week. We're going to sit down, and it'll be uh, cap management, contracts, restructures, and then it'll be uh, stage one of free agency, and then there'll be a mock draft, and then there's a post-June 1st kind of forecast with a 53-man uh, forecast at the end of that. It's a whole week's worth of programming on the show. And some of these visual aids that you're looking at now will also go up on, I'm on Substack now with Touchdown Miami. And uh, that these visual aids will get put up there. So if you want to course through it or use it as your cheat sheet for free agency, that'll be available for you on Touchdown Miami as well. I have it on my desktop saved right here. You're good to go. It's a PNG yeah. image, JPEG. Perfect. It says PNG image.jpg. What the hell does that mean? I took a screenshot of my <laughs> screen and sent it to you so you could look at it while we talked is what happened there. At Grinding the Tape on Twitter, Locked On Dolphins, Locked On NFL Scout and Kyle. Thanks, man. Thanks, Travis.
and away he goes. Very fun chat there, even if I started off talking about God knows what there. I listened to that back again after taping that interview, and uh, yeah, what the hell was I doing there? All right, that's my time today. That's my time this week from Indianapolis. Next week, we'll do more free agent content and more kind of previewing what this Dolphins roster might look like in 2024. A lot of fun stuff coming away here on the Drive Time Podcast. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Go ahead and follow me on social at NFL and the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast, the entire Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Check out the YouTube channel. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until Monday, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy, is finally coming home.